Hi everyone, this is Joe with Keeping Up With Joe, and today we're going to be talking about Harry Potter books 4, 5, 6, and 7. Once again, we're joined by my co-host, Michaela Loomis. And I think, Michaela Hello. Loomis, go ahead and dive in. Tell us a bit about uh, what are some of your insights from starting with book 4 and kind of going from there. Yeah, so I think last time we talked, we talked about like back to Hogwarts day and we talked about like what the, what like Harry Potter meant for us growing up and as adults, um, which was really interesting. And uh, we got through books one, two, and three. And I think something we talked about last time was like books one and two are very much children's books. Mm. And then the third book is like, it's still very childish, but it starts to get into some like darker themes. Um, and then book four, I think is really where the story goes from like a solidly children's story to like, oh, this is like a real story for anybody and not just children. You know, um, I think it follows the same pattern maybe as, as Lord of the Rings where with the Hobbit and the first half of the fellowship, it could be definitely read as a child story. And then, you know, like Frodo gets like stabbed by a Nazgul and then you're like, oh, this is a real story not just for children and you know hey, um, i guess one anecdote too that i and i yeah. forgot this last time is that this all we also are going to be going into spoilers so if you are one of the few people in the world who hasn't read harry potter yet or seen the movies warning spoilers ahead because <laughs> i know last time we were all like yeah fred dies i was like oh we didn't we didn't do a spoiler alert at all you know I guess I mean I guess people can still be introduced to Harry Potter. Uh like one of my one of my friends has never read the books or watched the movies and he's 25. Um but he also told me he's not going to read them. So But you said something actually you said something about the fourth book that I will say starting out cuz we're starting with the fourth book now that spoilers are aside. I one thing that struck me because I know we were talking last time about how we feel differently about the books versus when we're adults. I I think that one thing that the movie doesn't do as well as the book is that it's not as stark of a difference between pre like going into the maze as go. Once you go into the maze in the book, like in the book, it does a really good job of like, you think that this is just another Harry Potter school year. Like, like you said, like the other books that are more kid aimed, but once you go into the graveyard in the book, it is a completely different vibe. Well, and and yeah, and even like the beginning of the maze, Harry is like, yeah, I'm so ready. This is just like what I did a couple years ago when we did the Sorcerer's Stone thing. You know, like he so even in the books, it makes it so it's like Harry even thinks this is just he's like, finally, something I'll be good at. Like, finally, something that like is not going to be difficult. Um, And then it's like, no, just kidding. You're gonna see someone die and you're gonna have to fight Voldemort and like I like I cried I don't remember crying the first time I read the fourth book but reading the fourth book this time I definitely cried at the graveyard scene um just like in the parallels between the graveyard scene in book four and the forbidden forest scene in book seven um where like Harry's parents like support him at a time where he's close to death like it's oh man yeah and you said something that i was gonna say which is even when he's in the maze uh he's still thinking like a kid like he's like oh i'm gonna have all this glory and hey this is gonna work out and he doesn't oh yeah really... this is gonna be fine like yeah this is, this is gonna be great 
And then it's kind of, I think, I don't know if this is true or not, but I kind of got the vibe that somebody was helping him in the maze. Like people were, there were people bewitching people and helping him. Uh, well, along. Moody, not Moody, David Tennant. What is his, what's his name? <laughs> Barty, Barty Crouch Jr. <laughs> Barty Crouch Jr. admits to helping him in the mm-hmm. maze. Mm-hmm. So like, but oh, you're saying you got the sense of that while he was in the maze before we knew that Barty Crouch Jr. was a bad guy. Yeah. So, well, yeah, kind of in, in the book, it's like he's kind of just pleasantly surprised at how smart he's like, I think I can't remember, but I almost feel like he may even answer the Sphinx's question wrong or something. Um, oh, it's kind of obvious know. that it's wrong. And then it's kind of obvious that he got bewitched. I, I could be wrong about that, but that's just basically the, th- the thing is it was very lighthearted up until he's yeah. like, you're, like you're saying, he's like, oh, it's just another adventure. And I think that where the movie is wrong and it's kind of like what we were talking about, how we just assume everyone's read the books or seen the movies. And it's almost like when the the people made the movie, they're like, Oh, well, people already know what's going to happen. It, you yeah. know, cause there, there isn't a dramatic tonal shift as much as there is in the books. And also throughout the movie, there's sort of like little, uh, like hints that things are darker than they seem. Whereas in the book, you're just kind of going on another little adventure mystery with the kids, you know? Yeah. So yeah. That, well, that even, startled even me. Like yeah. In the, in the movie, um, like the labyrinth itself is like the 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 trees. What are those bushes? Whatever. <laughs> um, the bush. Listen, the bushes themselves are like menacing. Yes. You know, like they like drag people under, yeah. and like you get cut by them. And like I like that didn't happen in the book. Like in the yeah. books, they were just like a cute little garden labyrinth. You know, like it. Yeah. Like it's still like you said. Yeah, very lighthearted. Um, I will say that. The fourth book or the fourth movie got everybody's hair incredibly like everyone's hair looked very good. Like <laughs> the one I'm movie, just, yeah. I'm a fan. <laughs> Where they're like, everyone's gonna have long hair, whether you like everyone's it or not. Everyone's gonna have long, luscious, beautiful hair, and you're all gonna look fantastic, and then we're all gonna cut it off in the next movie. Um no, but uh yeah, it there there is like I think the fourth book again, like J.K. Rowling is just a master at foreshadowing that like you don't realize it until you like go back and reread something and you're yeah. like, oh, how did I miss this? Yeah. Um, because going back and rereading the fourth book, like like even just the thing about like, oh, like Mad Eye Moody like had to run in with his trash bins or whatever. Like reading back, you're like, oh yeah, clearly that's like that should have somebody should have like yeah been someone in the ministry should have realized that like something was up with Mad Eye Moody yeah. and no, like nobody really did. Um, oh, you know, speaking of foreshadowing and this is re this is a huge foreshadowing and this is totally lost in the movie. They just don't care about showing this, but there's this really weird moment in the book. You probably remember this and I could be mm-hmm. misquoting it, but it's when Dumbledore comes in <clears throat> and it is he comes in totally different. Obviously, everybody makes like there's memes about Dumbledore in the fourth movie, how weird he is, like where he's you yeah. know the Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? <laughs> you know, like that's like so he's just he's like out of control yeah. the whole movie in the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he comes in that room where Barty Crouch Jr. is, and like I think what it was is like Harry's like his feeling was that the there was fear in Barty Crouch Jr. and he was completely silent, but but Harry had never been afraid of Dumbledore before and he was in that moment, but oh, he was quiet. Yeah. So it was like this very powerful presence that was finally showing and then when he looks at harry's arm in the book it says that there's a look of triumph on his face on dumbledore's face and you you're like what 
because you have no idea what that means at the fourth yeah point. like why is there a yeah, look yeah, of yeah. like this is the dark lord has just risen but right. we, as we know from later on it's because now harry has that blood protection that is different than it was before now he has that blood connection with dumbledore with voldemort or whatever that ends up i think that's what it was it ends up like protecting him later on you know so, well like, Dumbled- i thought so good. oh yeah no 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 like that i thought that was like the whole reason why like voldemort wanted harry's blood was so that he could like touch him and no longer like no longer be impacted by lily's curse but like he still was because yeah. the, like not curse protection because like that was just transferred to voldemort then i don't know yeah but that was like a stroke of genius that you're like i don't get it and like then you <laughs> read it later and you're like oh yeah so no yeah the fourth book i yeah i just oh there's so many feelings and like re like rereading it just like the fight between harry and ron and just it's i kind of feel bad for ron because he just he's had not a not the easiest life like his un, i mean like hair none of them have like but just ron hermione had a pretty like, good life hermione had a pretty good life. hermione, hermione Unt- vacations in france <laughs> until she had to use until she had to make her parents forget that she existed mm-hmm. i can't even i can't even imagine the uh, that's one of those like things that like rolling just writes when you're just like i am not gonna stop to think about the implications of that because does she, does she take it back like does she does she get rid of that like or is there any mention we, of that nope we never know oh, so okay. she might not have been able to because we know that like from like lockhart we know that like memory spells can't be fixed that, sometimes they, like they if can they're be, but it takes really powerful magic well right? and you have to like if the if if the memory charm is strong enough, you can't get a hundred percent of your memories yeah, back. True, true. Yeah. So like Hermione had to put this spell on her parents so strongly that it would like protect them, like yeah. even under torture or whatever. So like, I don't know. I, what if, what if Hermione's parents never realized she, and this is way off topic, but like, it's just one of those things that like Rowling just casually <laughs> mentions and you're just like, Oh, Okay. But yeah, uh, what else happened in the... Oh, I really... I wrote down that I really loved the last line of the book, um, which actually comes from Hagrid when he says, what would come would come, and he would have to meet it when it did. Like, that, like it's like Harry is thinking about what Hagrid told him previously, like, while they were getting on the Hogwarts Express to go back to London. And I was just like, there's so much wisdom in that line. Um, but it's also, like, definitely change like the tone shift is there you know like what like like what would come would come and he would meet it when it did like it that definitely has a lot more gravitas than like the previous closings yeah so yeah those are my thoughts on the fourth book and then you know one thing that i i'm not sure how well this is handled in the movies but i think Go, moving on to the fifth book one thing i noticed in the fifth book <clears throat> obviously the fifth book's a weird one because the fifth book is the longest book i believe but oh, it is, is the it? shortest movie so because obviously so much that happens in the fifth book is internal like going on yeah. like within harry and his little his teenage angst so his i know we've talked about that a bit teenage angst <laughs> listen if anyone deserves some teenage angst it's harry potter yeah but what i got kind of realized reading this time and and they get into this in the movie in that in that opening scene, I think you see like a flashback to Cedric or something, and then Dudley's like teasing Harry about Cedric dying. But I think 
you they drop it after that. They don't really mention Cedric much. I guess they mention it in regards to Cho, but it's almost like Cho's dealing with Cedric's de- death, not Harry. Like, why right. would a guy? Why would a guy be sad about another guy's death? You know? Yeah. <laughs> no, obviously, no, only you're right. only you're some right. girlfriend would be sad about it. But in the book, that is the undertone for the entire book. Yeah, and it really impacts. Like it really impacts Harry like throughout the entire. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's a huge difference. I didn't notice it until you just said it. Um, I mean, I was also like in something else that they, they didn't, they didn't show in the movie very well was that like Harry is aware that he is struggling to deal with his feelings. Like in the book, it like, cause he talks about how like when Ron was made a prefect, um, yeah. like he said, like Harry was actively processing his jealousy. I think last time we, we chatted, we talked about how, um, wizards are just like more emotionally mature than their age would mm-hmm. suggest. Mm-hmm. Um, and this scene like really was kind of like the proof text of that for me because he's like, he's real, like he's feeling these feelings of jealousy that Ron has made a prefect and he's not. And not only does he not act on the jealousy, he actively tries to like talk to himself about his feelings and like reason with himself about like why he still needs to be nice to Ron or like why he, like why jealousy isn't the proper reaction to this. It's like incredible. I'm like, whoa, like what 15 year old is that self-aware? And so I think part of it is like Rowling is just like showing, like I think part of it is like Rowling is like teaching kids how to deal with their own negative feelings. Um, And it's all like, and then like outside of the narrative, but then in the narrative, I think it's just more proof that wizarding kids are more mature than their muggle counterparts. And I think that's, a weakness of the movie is is that they and they actually purposely hired David Yates to handle the political side of what was going on in Harry Potter, uh, and I think that you can see that interest in politics in the movie because it's mostly about, in a way, it's mostly about Umbridge coming to Hogwarts. I hate Umbridge. But the book, like you're so yeah. much. <laughs> I but just... like you're saying, the book is much more about Harry's feelings, and there's there's key things they leave out like ron finally getting some recognition yeah right? like he's actually a prefect like this is finally and that's why it's such a big deal to him it's like he's a prefect and harry potter isn't like yeah and harry as much as ron's harry's friend he's always aware of the fact that he's playing second fiddle and so he's very proud that for like the, for the first time he's not second fiddle to harry yeah and they left that out that was a really big plot part you know yeah, 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 totally. Um, I mean, but again, like, it's hard for movies to show that internal dialogue, like, within characters. Yeah. Um, so, like, I I get it. Um, I also think book five is when Ginny starts to, like, become her own person, and we totally yeah. miss, we totally, like, I have so many problems with movie Ginny, but, like, <laughs> honestly, she wasn't, because she was just a background character up until this book, like, the movies treated her, like, pretty okay. Um, yeah. She was but great in the second movie. She like, was did a great good job with her in the second movie. Yeah. I I agree. Yeah. Um. But then, like, as soon as she becomes her own person, like, she becomes someone who, like, Harry is starting to see as a friend and not just Ron's little sister. Um. Yeah. They just really botch it, and she's just not this like strong, vivacious like character. She's just kind of they just let her like kind of stand there in the background. I don't even think in the movie Harry gets to have a conversation with her about like. Harry worrying that he's being possessed by Voldemort like that's a that's a huge thing and like again the movies just like wrote it out um so I think yeah I think book five is an incredibly important book I think it 
I think it's actually important for like teenagers to read kids to read to like learn how to deal with feelings and like especially negative feelings but I just don't think that came across at all in the movie it's almost like a standalone book it's almost like it's not yeah. really part of the rest of the Harry Potter it's like its own thing and like you said it's about the feelings and also what you said about Ginny I actually, I might, I may cut this out of the podcast, oh, no. but I actually remember having a crush on Ginny. You oh, know, like, it's like, it sounds silly. Cause she's like, cause she's like a literary character, right? No, not, not, dude. not movie, not movie Ginny. But I remember being like, because she's like kind of sassy and stuff like that. And I was like, Oh, I kind of like Ginny when I was a kid. That's not <laughs> you know? weird, Joe. It is totally, I don't know. I guess it's totally <laughs> normal to have crushes on fictional characters. Literary characters, yeah. It's but, fine. Um, I'm sure a lot it's of people do. It's fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> I mean, don't worry. I was I really, really young. I was like 12 or something like that. I was really, whatever that, not even 12. I was younger than that. But um, yeah, no, it's totally fine. Anyways, no. Uh, and then another thing too that you're saying is that, wait, what was I going to say? Shoot. Oh, Another big difference is that again that again going with that whole like what how you interpret things when you're older. Obviously, I didn't have a crush on Ginny this time, so I'm, I'm clear. <laughs> but um, one person that stood out to me was Sirius because he is okay. Movie Sirius and book Sirius are not the same person oh, at all. No, do, do not you feel at all. That? I feel it. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, because he's like. He in the book is like what you would think somebody third book series is more like it. If he had kind of stayed like that or third movie series. Um, but he yeah. he's kind of like what you would think somebody who was emotionally stunted for 10 or 12 years. You know, he's very he's like he hasn't grown up in the books and he's very mangy and he's like se- severely depressed about being stuck in that house. And then in oh, the movie, yeah. you have Gary Oldman, who's like sophisticated oh yeah like, no ridiculous. well groomed <laughs> yeah no i i actually think and this is i'm just talking off the top of my head here but um this is something that i'm really interested about so when i when i was getting my master's in public health it was uh the middle of the pandemic and it was so interesting to be reading all these public health theories about how there's more than just the physical aspect of health that like humans require to be healthy like we also need to be economically healthy we need to be socially healthy we need to be emotionally healthy we need to be spiritually healthy like all these different aspects of health um and all of my professors and like all the theories make it very clear that if you just focus on one aspect of health or safety you're gonna like it's gonna come at a cost and you're yeah. not going to live a healthy life. And then COVID happened when the entire world was focused on the physical determinants of health, like yep. AKA being protected from this virus, but not really focused, not really even trying to work in the social, emotional, economic and spiritual forms of health. Um, and it, and there's so many people who are still struggling from it. Um, like yeah. the rates of mental illness, you know, have gone up. We're still struggling economically, Um, and all of that. And I think there's a very clear image of that in this book. So like the order was so, well, Dumbledore maybe was so obsessed with like making sure that Sirius stayed safe, um, that he, you know, locked him up inside this house and everyone was so obsessed with like, quote unquote, keeping Sirius safe that like no one really thought to like, like they were all thinking about his physical security and they weren't concerned enough about his like emotional and mental stability. Um, and I, cause I'm sure like, it, I'm, I mean, obviously it's a war, but like, it kind of goes to show that like, we need more than just physical safety. We need more than just physical security. And I think Sirius is a character that really shows that. And then kind of 
to I want to kind of throw you a little bit of a bone because I know you hate Snape. I do um, hate Snape. But remember how Snape shows up? <laughs> it's almost Snape's fault in yeah. a way. Yeah. I, I don't know. You could you could blame Dumbledore. You could blame Snape. You could blame nobody. It's hard to say. But Snape shows up and really is nasty to He is. Sirius. And like, like, I get it. I get it. But the thing is, like, what? Like, Snape is supposed to be like 35. What? They're all supposed to be like 35, right? Um, mm-hmm. Okay. He made fun of you in high school. You were teased, it like bullied. <laughs> you were bullied by him in high school. Sorry. Like, that doesn't mean that you can still act badly towards them in real life as an adult in war times. Like, I get it if it's like you're not at war, but like, you literally, you're supposed to be each other's allies, like, at a time of war. Just like, suck it up. You can punch each other in the face after pure evil has been defeated. Like, like just just go get over it um, so counterpoint just because yeah. you know i'm a little bit more on team snape not like fully on team snape but he does handle that really well when when harry kind of like hints at him like hey uh i'm uh like i'm like sorry he hints at him that sirius might be in trouble snape goes immediately looks for looks for uh what's his name sirius I think he even goes into the forest or was that Dumbledore? Somebody goes into the forest looking for Umbridge or something like that. Or, Oh no, Snape goes into the forest looking for Harry and Hermione, I believe to retrieve them. So like he goes right into action despite his nastiness. So, oh yeah. Small point. Yeah. 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 Small no, point for Snape. Small point. I will agree. Small point in his favor. And like, <laughs> it's, I, I don't know. It's just, I think it's one of those things where it's like, Okay, Michaela, these are characters. Like these are like these like these are not supposed to be real people. It's fine. Um but yeah. Uh yeah, I mean and one just one thing about I just it is so interesting and complicated, like the Marauders, and we've like talked about this too, but like in like Snape's worst memory, like that is like very traumatizing for oh, a child to go through. Yeah. Um, and so it's the but the whole situation I just feel like I just feel like nobody is perfect. Um, but like seeing that like Snape had a best friend who was marginalized and he like called her a slur in public. Yeah. Versus James and Sirius had a friend who was mar- marginalized and like supported and loved him unconditionally. Wow. That's really interesting. You know, so it's just it's like they're like showing like like where when Snape and because Snape wasn't even like goaded into calling Lily a mudblood. Like, no. he, like she was actually trying to defend him and he like lost it, you know? Um, it's like one of those moments where almost like something you say in private, like it's like he's been saying that so much in yeah. private that he came out in public, mm-hmm. you know? It's yep. kind of like when you accidentally swear in a meeting at work and you're like, oh, I should probably stop saying that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Side note, that's funny because everyone swears at my work. So it's actually been the opposite because everyone people around swear me at to, work. People swear at work more than I would think they do. I, I don't know. do it. I like showed up and everyone's swearing and I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> um, no, but yeah, exactly like that. So like how was Snape talking? Because you don't go from like having a best friend to like calling her a slur like in Especially one the worst slur the worst slur yeah the worst wizard swear of all yeah i know yeah so like what must he have been saying to his death eater friends you know yeah. or what were they you know versus like james and sirius like literally helped keep remus's secret a secret and became i don't anim magi whatever the yeah. plural of that is um 
which like the narrative makes clear is like a dangerous thing to do. Um, yeah. So I it just, it also like we can talk about, cause I know like we can talk about like how like James and Sirius have lots of issues, but like also they supported their, you know, their friend who is on the outskirts and marginalized like a hundred percent and made his life bearable and livable. Um, Actually something you're saying, cause I know last time we were kind of going back and forth about Snape a little bit, but this reminds me, this almost makes me swing more in your favor where Yes. Snape or sorry James being mean to Snape almost doesn't reflect badly on him in this lens because yes. it's almost like he's just reacting against something the evil that is so bad and he has such a hatred for that evil that he he acts out against Snape welcome. so it's almost like a point in his favor welcome to my side welcome to the James <laughs> Potter fan club Joseph glad you're finally here uh yeah no so that's I think that's those are all my thoughts on the fifth book um I, I did say that, like, I don't know if it's because I read it too quickly, but the book seemed to have, like, the weakest ending, if that makes sense. Like, hmm. so, like, so much happened, and, like, it's not super talked about. Like, Harry got to, like, blow up in Dumbledore's office, and Dumbledore, like, kind of explained things, but that's, like, that's really it, and, like... It kind of ends during the school year still, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. just go down and sit by his friends or... Or, yeah. or they go like his friends go back and he stays there. Yeah, and then like he pulls he out that mirror. Yep. And it yeah, And so then you're like, oh crap, if he had just used if he had just known this was there, like why didn't he just that's what I felt. I was like, why didn't he just check? He could have talked to Sirius via the mirror. That you know? hurts me so like like that <laughs> that hurts. Like that hurts me so much. Like just like yeah. the fact but also the fact that like Harry never opened the present. Like Sirius yeah. gave it to him and he just never opened it. Like Harry doesn't have the brightest brains of the group. No. Um, no, but it just like, it's just kind of like one. Oh man. Yeah. That just, it hurts. It hurts me. The mirror hurts. Um, but then the mirror comes back and plays such a the major mirror does role, come back. Um, yeah. What I, what I thought was interesting is like Sirius is mentioned twice at the beginning of book six. But like not really after that. Like it's it's kind of like Harry is just like Harry just can't even bear to think about it. And so we don't hear about Sirius for like the rest of the narrative really until book seven where we show up and they have to live at Grimald Place again. OK, that's super interesting that you said that. Because that was a point I was going to bring up. Hey, because, no, seriously, like I was thinking the same thing. Because if you remember what I said about the fifth book, when I read it this time, it occurred to me that the fifth book was like the de the, the death of, Se of, sorry, I'm getting my character confused. The death of Cedric was an undertone for the whole book. And yep. it like deeply affected Harry throughout the whole thing to the point where, and then, you know, at the end, he's kind of like throwing that stuff around in Dumbledore's office and breaking things because now Sirius has died too. Yep. And then all of a sudden, the sixth book, we're kind of like, hmm. We explored that thing. We're not going to go and deal with how Harry feels about Sirius. It's, it's weird to me. It's almost like, okay, was that purposeful because she wanted a lighter book before the final book? Or was it more like Harry has dealt with this before and now he's grown up? Because, like, you know, when he sees Dumbledore at the beginning there, he's not throwing things anymore. He's kind of embarrassed that he did that. So was this almost like, okay, the fourth book is that grow up moment. The fifth book is the pains of growing up. And then the sixth book is kind of maturity. Well, like, what, what are or, your thoughts on that? I, I don't know. My thought is that like, I honestly think that like Harry has suppressed it 
Like it's just like mm. it's just one more thing, and he he's like, okay, I'm not gonna, I can't think about it. You know, like when you go through, like this happens to a lot of people. Like if they go through trauma or pain, like they they just don't think about it. Like their brain just doesn't let them go towards those memories or access those memories. So to me, it was almost like like Harry just couldn't bear to think about Sirius and like it did talk about this at the end of the book like where he was looking forward to getting to live with Sirius again like he was looking forward to actually having a home like and and I think Sirius even mentions that the last time they're together about how like it was important for Harry to go back to the Dursleys one more time but then after that like Sirius asked if Harry wanted to live with him you know like like and and just to have that be there and then snatched away like I just don't think Harry Harry can deal with it um so I just think he let it like it just he just let it fade into the background of his mind and then it didn't come back up until he had to live in Grimald place so what do you think so to me the sixth the sixth book and movie and actually to me the sixth book and the movie are two of the best like I would say yes for me right under the third book and third movie is the sixth book and sixth movie what what do you think about there's a bit of a tonal shift back that happens i think it's almost like i think my wife said this it's like six the sixth book is sort of harry's one normal year at hogwarts except for of course dumbledore dies at the end but apart from that it's kind of a normal year like he gets to just be a kid for for once um yeah except he doesn't get he doesn't get to play quidditch again like i was reading this and i was like harry really didn't get a play quidditch a lot like he like because he was in detention because he kept getting in detention or Uh, like the triwizard cup happened like in the fifth book and the sixth book so the fifth book he and fred and george were banned from quidditch because umbridge right and then in the sixth book he got detention so like i was just like man my poor kid like he never got to play (laughs) in a quidditch cup final except for in book three you know like i was just like Man, but then um, Ginny got to play. But then because he was Ginny in detention, got Ginny to play. got to play, and he got Seeker he got all kind of hot and heavy about. Oh that. yeah, like, well, okay. Also, Hermione, Hermione, <laughs> incredible. Hermione had like <laughs> the best kill line of, like, so like it was what what's that one guy's name? Like they were doing tryouts, and his name's like Connor or something. I don't know, but he was like kind of like yeah, flirting flirting with Hermione or whatever, and. Uh, someone like, like she was dis like, like her and Ron were fighting again. Cause Ron was dating Lavender and someone mentioned about like Ron and Hermione. And then someone was like, wow, Hermione, you really like your Quidditch players, don't you? And she was like, I like really good Quidditch players, like <laughs> purposefully dissing Ron. And I was just like, Hermione, like let him live, man. Uh, yeah. But what do you think about speaking of Ron? We t- talked about him a couple of times. What do you think of his like, I almost feel like, so we've talked about, I know you and I have talked about this before, how like the fifth book is sort of like, he's really good in the fifth book and fifth yeah. movie. Yeah. Like he's like there for Harry. He's totally not that guy he was in the fourth book. He grows up a lot and being prefect. Like, yeah. Yeah. And he kind of almost, I, if I remember correctly, he's kind of getting along with Hermione a little better in the fifth book. And then all of a sudden, like rapid decline in character in the sixth movie where he's like, or sixth book. Where he's like in love with this crazy girl who he's never going to be with. No, I don't and think he's definitely not in love with her. I just think it's like he couldn't handle like him and her. Like he just like he, like he was just like 
him and Hermione just weren't were, they never talked to each other they never just sat down and talked to each other because they're what 16 yeah. um so instead of talking to each other like he starts dating Lavender Brown and just like kind of goes crazy and I don't blame him for that but also <laughs> he do you think do you think him and Hermione are a good couple um the real question yeah i so i think so i think their their weaknesses like they they balance out pretty well i honestly feel like ron is pretty chilled and laid back and i think it's like i think it's good for hermione to like learn that but i also think it's good for ron to be with hermione and like kind of learn how to like push himself a little bit um so i think they have like good balance of strength and weaknesses um but also i don't really think that people can be bad together if they're good Mm. people so like Mm. if you have two good people like who are like who actually care about each other i don't think that personalities really impact that very much that's an interesting philosophy i i am not a romantic i don't believe in soulmates i think you can make a relationship with anybody work if you talk I, I, i and, I would say so. And if you're fundamentally good people. And that's what I think makes Ron and Hermione work. Like they're both good people. Um, I mean, they they're and they're both and we know they're both Gryffindors, so they have some parts of their personality in common. Um Yeah, but I mean, just because they bicker all the time, I I don't think like I don't think that means that they wouldn't be good together, but I think it means that they would have to work really hard on communication. So this is my thing. Um, you said a lot of really interesting things there, so I could probably talk about a lot of stuff there, but I'll just stick to one thing, which is I know I know that J.K. Rowling's infamous and people kind of hate her for how she expands on the canon without really having it any having any impact on the story, you know? Yeah. And I remember, this has always stuck with me, where she one time said that she re- kind of regrets pairing Hermione with Ron yeah. because she doesn't think that they're going to be long-term that he's going to, I think she put it on hit, uh, like the blame on him almost. Like, I, uh, I could be wrong about this, but that, like, you know, he's not I think JKR really watched the movies. <laughs> I think JKR watched the movies and then got confused okay. that Ron from the movie. Yeah. Okay. I'll say it. Ron from the movies and Hermione Ron from the Hermione movie, movie Hermione would, yeah, would not work out well together because Ron just kind of sits on his ass in the movies and Hermione does all the work <laughs> and eventually they're going to hate each other. Book Ron and book Hermione are fine together. Okay, but hold on. Because this is one thing, again, that I noticed differently from reading the books as an older person is there was so much sort of symbolism of of Harry and Hermione together. Like there was like, it, like to me, it was almost like when he was facing the... I, I'm kind of getting confused here a little bit, but I think when he's facing the dragon that like he's almost kind of like that knight from the story and Hermione is actually sort of like his shield maiden mm. where like she gives him that magical oh, it's like just yeah. like the story is she gives him that magical thing he needs right to overcome the dragon it's like there's such from like it reminds me almost a little bit of Zutara where from like an allegorical literary standpoint um Zuko and Katara would have been so cool together and to me it's like like Harry and Hermione would have made so much sense this time around. Whereas Ron and Hermione to me seem like the perfect example of opposites attract. Yeah. But that doesn't always mean that that's who you should be with. So that yeah. was my takeaway that was different this time. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. But see, my thing is I was always so into Harry and Ginny being a thing that like Harry and Hermione never really like entered the picture for me. Um, mm-hmm. Just like because I just I mean, it's charming, you know, that like Ginny's had this crush on this guy, like Ginny's story where she's had this crush on this guy. But then she like grows up a little bit and realizes that like, oh, no, he's an actual person, not just someone I've like been crushing on since I was like three. Um, but she like grows up, develops to be her own person and then yeah. actually becomes friends with Harry. And then, like, so th- I just feel like they have, like, an, a, a, a really, like, healthy relationship. But also the idea that, like, yeah. Ginny was literally possessed by Voldemort. So, like, of anybody who can relate to, like, being actually touched by the evil of Voldemort, like, Ginny is going to be able to relate to Harry, like, in a very deep way that, like, other people wouldn't necessarily be able to. Yeah, and I don't think that the pairing of Ginny and Harry is bad per se and she does have that name Guinevere which is kind of like Arthurian um but I just think that I kind of really this time I thought that there was a stronger like thing there with Hermione and Harry that could have been developed and I think that Hermione just they challenge each other like her talk about like her and Ron are always bickering I don't know how if if they do challenge each other it's kind of probably more off screen yeah I was gonna say it's one of those things that like we just hear that they're bickering but we never hear what they're bickering about yeah like yeah but harry and hermione push each other big time like she pushes him he pushes her it's like this really interesting relationship and being with hermione no offense to Ginny, because Ginny's cool but her, being with hermione would have been a bigger challenge for harry like as like as so to me it's almost like that would have been really interesting whereas Ginny was more of like the fangirl kind of more a little bit easier to get with kind of thing i'm not again not trying to be mean about Ginny. it's just i thought it would have been really interesting if this time around i was like oh that would be really interesting if something developed but it's very clear in the book that harry doesn't feel that way about hermione but then again talk about the fifth book we're talking about the fifth book still or no we're talking about the sixth book now but anyways going back to the fifth book (laughs) remember when he's with remember when he's with cho and cho's like pissed off because he's talking about hermione yeah it's almost like subliminally he's thinking about hermione all the time yeah so it's like there yeah yeah, no there's no yeah there's totally that um but i don't know i've always kind of like Yeah, I just, I guess I never saw that when I was reading it. And again, still just so blinded by Harry and Ginny that like I didn't even (laughs) look at Hermione. Um, But I I do think it is actually like, I do appreciate that Harry was allowed to have a female friend and it not be romantic. Um, Because that's just something that like we don't like, we don't see a lot. Just that like how like men and women like, yeah, can actually be friends and like can support each other and can challenge each other. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's just, it's nice to have that representation in media and it like, I don't know, like kind of take, like, it just, I don't know, kind of takes the pressure off, but definitely in book six, we see, uh, I'm one, I'm wondering if Ron maybe saw that. And like, maybe that's one of the things that pisses him off is that like, he is jealous of Harry because of how much like Hermione, like is Harry's friend, you know? And we definitely see that in book, we see that in book seven, um, where Ron is fighting the Horcrux, you know, it's like all of the ideas that Ron has had of Harry and Hermione come back to like literally bite him in the ass when he's trying to kill the Horcrux. Um, yeah, and then yeah. Ron and also Harry and Hermione too have another thing in common where they're both outsiders in this world. Like Hermione's yep. so smart that you don't think she is. Right. But they're the two muggle kids basically. Like they get each other in a way that Ron will never get Hermione because Ron is so entrenched in the pure blood world, even though he's part of the good side of it. But yeah. like, they have a lot in common. Like Hermione and Ron- Harry could go on vacation in France together and they could fit in fine with the muggle folk. 
Yeah. But Ron yeah. will always kind of. I mean, not but be I think that's that. part of what you said, like opposites attract. Like I like yeah, yeah, yeah. like so to me when I try like so kind of comparing this to like traveling around the world. Um, when I travel to a different country, I always want to travel with someone who knows that country. Um, cause I hate being a tourist. And so like, I'm wondering if <laughs> like I like, so when I lived in Ireland, like I always wanted to like go out with my friend, shout out to Michael, um, because he is Irish. And so like, he would like know where to go or like know how to act and know how to talk. And I wouldn't get like weird looks as much, even yeah, though my accent yeah. gave me away. Um, and so I'm wondering if like, like Hermione being the super smart know-it-all that she is, like, I'm wondering if she like subconsciously like was glad Ron was a pureblood um, and like grew up in this because like she could externally mimic, not that she would, but like she can like observe his reactions to things and like understand yeah. how she was expecting to act. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily say that like, yeah, I, I think that, yeah, I think that Harry and Hermione, but again, I was going to say, I think that Harry and Hermione could do well together. But again, I stand by my philosophy that literally any two people can be fine together as long as they communicate because personality types are real, but they don't, they shouldn't dictate your life. Did I tell you, you know, the choleric, melancholic, sanguine thing? Yeah. So mm -hmm. did I, what are you? Do you know what you are? Uh, I'm choleric and sanguine. I'm not exactly sure which one's stronger. I'm also choleric and sanguine, but I'm like 90% yeah. choleric and like 10% yeah. sanguine, which surprises nobody. I think that, I think the choleric is a little stronger, a little stronger, but it's pretty equal. I think. For Did me. I tell you, I'm going to tell you about my story on a dating website, which shall remain nameless. Um, but you have <laughs> to like take the temperaments test and then it shows up on your profile. And so like I messaged this one guy and his reply was, Hi, thank you for your message, but I could never date someone who's choleric. You told me about this. Yeah. That's and so freaking hilarious. Like, I replied back, well, sorry, I could never date someone who bases his entire life on a fake <laughs> online personality <laughs> test. Is that choleric enough for you? And I've and talked to him. like, yep. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> he probably was phlegmatic. Yeah, like, I don't know. I just think that's hysterical. Um, but I'm yeah. guessing this wasn't Tinder because I doubt Tinder it wasn't does. Tinder. Um, no, it wasn't. Temperaments Tinder. as like it wasn't <laughs> Tinder. Um, no, but yeah. So I mean, uh, kind of with that, getting back to the characters. Yeah, I think that Harry and Hermione could have been fine. I think that Ron and Hermione are fine. Um, but but again, in the it end, just, it was it was Ron and Hermione, so it doesn't really matter how I feel. I just yeah, I just saw some I saw some tie-ins, but it doesn't yeah. matter because they do end up together. So it doesn't matter what J.K. Rowling says afterwards. So yeah. Anyways, seventh book. Um, oh wait, hold on. Let me Wait, read. More Let more me thoughts about the read. I have there. notes on book six. Uh, oh, I said Harry. So one of Harry. So when Harry was in detention with Snape, Snape made Harry copy out detention cards of his dad and Sirius. And I was like, dang, that's <laughs> meta. That's, meta no, punishment. It's just like really. <laughs> that's really hard. Like that's like like I could like I just. And Harry didn't really con like Harry didn't really comment. He just like he didn't say he laughed. He didn't say he cried about it. But he just like I just imagine having to like the teacher you hate most in the world is making you recopy out detention cards of your father and your godfather, both of whom are dead. I don't know. Yeah, where all that self-control come from? I mean, the fifth book, he probably would have like cried curse snape for that and then the yeah. sixth book he's just like yeah i'm just gonna deal with this i'm I, gonna, I'm gonna I, bear with it again i don't think it's self-control i think he's just shut down <laughs> that would that would make sense i mean yeah that would actually make a lot of sense but that's not the feeling i got from him i got the feeling that he had moved on in a way 
Yeah, which again is weird. Uh, okay, I said what else? I said Peep Ravenclaw's diadem in the Room of Requirement on top of the head. Remember yeah. that? They like, yeah. Again, the foreshadowing was there. That was pretty cool. Um, they left out of the movie though, unfortunately. I really cool in the book. completely forgot that Snape told Voldemort about the prophecy, and Snape directly caused James and Lily's death. Yes. I, because yep. they, I, ugh, yeah, I forgot about guilty that. Man. He is, a, yeah, it's his fault. Um, I said my babysitter actually spoiled Dumbledore's death for me. So I was old enough. I was, it was like when I was reading, like when book six came out, I was like old enough not to need a babysitter, but I was too young to babysit my sister. You know, that mm, yep. weird, like, that weird middle yep. age of, like, I can stay home alone, but, like, I've got, like, a five-year-old yes. sister who can't. So we had a babysitter, and my babysitter spo- spoiled Dumbledore's death for me. Like, I didn't even, I was, like, halfway <laughs> through the third book, and she was like, oh, do you know Dumbledore dies? And I was like, wow. What's <laughs> like, crazy to me is after he died, how big of a controversy that was. I don't know if you remember this, but... People were like arguing over oh Dumbledore like there's an entire book I think called Dumbledore is not dead oh yeah no like, it was like a thing everyone's like no he's this. not dead yeah like no way yeah um like, I everyone's said like, oh, he's gonna pull Gandalf he's gonna come back you know? yeah he was gonna pull Gandalf that was the big thing um I said that the book <laughs> I think this book did a better job so even though book six didn't talk about Harry personally dealing with death I think this book was like closure for Harry. Um, mm. with Dumbledore's death because like it was rough that Harry wasn't able to have a funeral for Sirius like like mm. whereas Harry did get to have a funeral for Dumbledore you know so it's like he gets that closure in a way that he didn't get with Sirius and I think like I think subconsciously like having that closure with Dumbledore helped him with closure with Sirius but yeah it was sad. It was. I remember it was really when I sad. read when I read that when yeah. I read the sixth book. I re- and that that funeral scene. I was sad when yeah. Dumbledore was yeah. getting buried because he was like. You really feel like oh Harry's best buddy that you would like not best buddy mentor. but like the guy Harry's that mentor yeah like the guy who had always protected him who was always yeah. safe. He's gone now and like I definitely felt that for Harry for sure. And then he and then he kind of like Spider Man's Ginny and he's like yep. I can't be with you as long I as can't I have be with you anymore. Enemies out there or whatever. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, you'll be back. It's fine. She she took it so she took it so calmly, and then the next book she's like, "Yeah, we're not dating, but I'll still make out with you at my brother's wedding." You know, like zip up my dress, Harry. Oh my gosh, that was the worst in the Um, movie. I know. I'm ignoring that. So speaking of (laughs) seven, um, Harry got to Private Drive on Sirius's motorbike, and he left Private Drive on Sirius's motorbike. That's true. Feelings, um, and then Hedwig with Hagrid too. With Hagrid, I know, so many feelings. And then Hedwig died, and then Mad-Eye Moody died. I have weird feelings about Mad-Eye Moody's death because, like, we never really got to talk to the real Mad-Eye Moody that much. Yeah, it's like, like the one you, the guy, the Mad-Eye Moody you knew. And, and the way that you talk about him in the book, it's almost as if, oh, yeah, you know this guy really well. He's that guy that you spent the fourth book with. It's like, actually, like, no, we have no idea who exa- this guy no, is. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, probably David Tennant did a really good job of, like, mimicking what, Mad Eye Moody would have said and done because he had to like fool all yeah. of Mad Eye Moody's friends. So like in a way you kind of got to know him, but it's just interesting. Um, <gasps> I just I okay. I just had a really interesting thing that yeah. came to my mind that you just said. What that 
based on our last podcast, we're talking about how big of a mentor Lupin was. Yeah. And it's almost like Rowling uses that to trick us into trusting Moody. <gasps> because we're like, oh, Lupin was a big mentor to Harry. So here's another oh. great mentor. And actually, he wasn't. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. Go off. Um, <laughs> incredible. Anyways, back to you. <laughs> um, I really liked the wedding scene. I liked the... I, so I was reading and one thing that like hit me like a ton of bricks was like when uh, Dumbledore gave Harry the snitch in the will, he said, I leave mm. this, I leave the snitch as a reminder of the rewards of perseverance and skill. And inside of the snitch is the resurrection stone that will help Harry like go to his death, like mm. e- easily, like go to his death easily yeah. and willingly. And I was just yeah. like, Oh man, like a good death is the reward of perseverance and skill. And I was just oh, like, Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. And I it's cried. also really cool that how Dumbledore had it planned out to that extent that he knew that that would be, the oh, key yeah. thing that he would need it's oh incredible. yeah like oh yeah incredible um but also like Dumbledore really didn't give them anything to go off of like like he did but like a part of it was because like he knew that like the Ministry of Magic was going to go through his will and all of this but like it, it he didn't do a lot like a lot like a lot of the reason that they that they actually move forward with Dumbledore's plan is luck like like with Hermione, like like it was l- luck that Ex- Xenophilius or whatever his name is, Lovegood, Mister Lovegood, wore the Deathly Hollows symbol, like at the wedding, mm. and like Hermione saw that and made a connection because Hermione had never seen the Deathly Hollows symbol before, like nobody had, so like that was kind of lucky, and then the whole thing with Ron where he was just playing with the Deluminator and it like he was just playing with it and then heard their voice. Cause that was like the first time that Hermione had said Ron's name in how many months, you know, like just the fact that like Ron had had it out and was playing with it at the same time as Hermione said his name was like luck. So it's kind of like, I don't know. I feel like, and just the fact that like Harry kept looking at the Sirius's mirror and saw Alberforth's eye, you know, like a lot of it was just kind of very lucky. Like, but isn't that but it was that's that shows a real genius who like he can plan for the probabilities, right? Yeah. He's, he's yeah. Like, well, probability is Hermione will probably figure this out. Ron will probably abandon them and he'll probably need this and, and he'll probably, probably want to come I mean? back. So it's yeah, like yeah, he yeah. can he can take into consideration the the uh, probabilities. But hey, speaking of which, so now that we're talking about Dumbledore, and because to me in a weird way, the each book has like these almost like these themes about different people in the, in the, in Harry's life. Like the third book in a weird way is actually kind of about Sirius. And then the fourth it. book, I don't, and then the, the sixth book is kind of about Snape in a weird way. And then the seventh book in a weird way is kind of about Dumbledore. Like that's the subplot yeah. there. Um, um, well, how do you feel about Dumbledore and that reveal about like how he's really not as great so of, as we thought? Harry has this line where he says, this isn't love, this mess he's left me with. Hmm. And that lives in my head rent free. <laughs> just like, like just, and I think Harry's right. I mean, I, I think Dumbledore loved him at a point, but like, I also think mm. that like Dumbledore was cold and calculating and definitely was using him as a means to yeah. an end. Like I, like I really yeah. like, I, I, yeah. I mean, I think that like Dumbledore loved Harry in his own way, but at the same time, like, Dumbledore even said like multiple times like his he knew his office wasn't being bugged by the ministry like that's not a thing that like wizards would do or like Dumbledore could have taken Harry somewhere and just sat down and explained things like 
but he didn't. Um, yeah. And just that line that this isn't love, this mess he's left me with. And it's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, why why it's do you think lot. Rowling felt the need to lower his character like that? Like, cause up until the seventh movie, we all think that Dumbledore is what we want him to be. We want him to be that sage. We want him to be like Merlin. We want him yeah. to be perfect. We want him to be like Gandalf, right? Because Gandalf I is love Gandalf. pretty much perfect for, the mo- for all intents and purposes. He's probably not technically, but he's pretty perfect. Well, he's, we want him he's to be like of, that. He's one of Tolkien's Christ figures, so of course he's going to be... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And and we it's like we want Dumbledore to be that and we've made him that in our heads and hearts and then all of a sudden Rowling's like actually no. I mean Rowling Rowling does this the I think Rowling does this with every adult except for Molly and Arthur Weasley. Mm. Like every adult at some point fails Harry in some way. Yeah. Um and I I just think that's part of what Rowling is trying to say. Like hey, like this is what happens in life. Like people aren't perfect. Like I really do think that's like something that she's trying to like write about, or she's just trying to make things kind of realistic. And like, that's what happens. Like our mentors don't always have the best things in mind for us. You know, like our, like the people who are around don't always care about us to the fullest extent that they can. And that's just like something that I feel like she wanted to write about you know i like i don't think necessarily she's like trying to quote unquote teach children to not trust adults but i think yeah. it's just something she wanted to write about and so she did so and, and it's weird too because i mean dumbledore we kind of just take it for granted because it all works out but dumbledore it was just a theory that this whole thing was really just kind of a theory he, he harry could have just died in the forest very yeah. easily oh yeah dumbledore didn't know no exactly and but so, but dumbledore still sent him to his death anyway you know like yeah. so it's um yeah i mean and just death is very heavy-handed in this book um yeah and like actually every time so like every once in a while the um the the verse on the potter's gravestone the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death comes up at mass or like i like if i'm reading second corinthians it like pops up and i just like cry a little bit inside um but yeah there's death is just like a very common theme um like i forgot like ted tonks was murdered um like andromeda like andromeda tonks lost her husband and her daughter and her son-in-law all in the span of like four months yeah like it's i yeah it's just like there's just so much and i think that we talked about like you know like fred like fred died and it's just it's a lot um what do you think about the the quote that's on dumbledore's grave i forgot what is that one where where your treasure is there too where your heart will lie oh yeah that's interesting especially on being on dumbledore's grave because it's kind of like what was what was dumbledore's treasure right yeah no yeah i don't know yeah no and and just and and uh wormtail's death and there's another quote that like Wormtail dead because of one small unconscious impulse of mercy. <laughs> I wrote there's a, interesting. I wrote there's a lot of feelings there and I can't process them right now. Like that was my <laughs> <laughs> And you still can't. <laughs> well, just because if Wormtail would have showed mercy to the Potters in the first place, you know, like Harry might have grown mm. up with parents. Yeah. And like because Wormtail didn't kill harry he was killed by voldemort it just it's yeah there's a lot and then the gray lady we learned about the gray lady's story 
like killed yes. killed by the man intense, yeah. killed by the man who loved her sent by her own mother who was dying like that's insane and then i have a lot snow white snow whitish isn't it yeah except a little yeah but like darker and twisted and like yeah and the whole like the i have so many feelings about snape's death where he like gives harry like the the memories but like how like the last things he wanted to see were lily's eyes like because he has that part where he like tells harry to like look at me but like yeah. he didn't actually care about Harry, you know. Like he doesn't care about Harry, like because if he did, yeah. he wouldn't have uh, like a bullied and abused him throughout his entire childhood, you know. But like he still wanted to yeah. see Lily's eyes one more time because he's still guilty. Like he is, he is going to his grave feeling guilty about the fact that he caused the Potter's death. And I really don't yeah. think he ever gets resolved from that, and I don't think he ever gets absolution from it either. Well, it, it's kind of like what you said about the perseverance, because I know even though he was nasty to Harry, all that, and that's not excusable, he persevered in protecting Harry. Yeah. And his reward was he got to see, by keeping Harry alive, even though you said it had nothing to do with Harry. Yeah. But by keeping him alive, he got his reward, which is he got to see Lily's eyes one more time before he died. Yeah. It's so. it's intense. I don't know. There's And we talked about this last time, too, but like the only... The only Marauder's death that we don't see is Lupin's. Like Harry yeah. just comes up and sees Remus on the ground, and I am still pissed about that. Like, yeah, yeah. There's just there's a lot of there's a lot to of to me death. that that whole battle was a lot weaker. That whole ending part of that book, and I would say, and to me, that book is one of not because it's not a good book or not a lot, not really interesting. It is a little bit weaker, I think, partly because why Rowling's books worked so well is that she established a really, really good formula for yeah, it. Yeah, we've whereas talked this about book, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whereas this book goes outside that formula, which is sort of refreshing, but it's also sort of weaker because of that. And yeah. then to me, that whole battle scene in the book where everyone's just popping up and it's kind of like, oh, and this guy's here again, and this guy's here. It's almost like just a bit weaker to me than than other things that she, other epic endings she had written. I just think you know? she doesn't know how to write a battle scene like that's all it felt it's like tough, that yeah. all that's all it felt like to me it just felt like that's not her forte like writing she should have pulled she should have you know what she should have pulled a tolkien and just like said the battle happened in like two paragraphs and then moved <laughs> on you know like helms deep yeah. helms deep is a paragraph and a half like yeah. tolkien's not, like not i have in, better uh, things to write about not in peter jackson's version oh my but, gosh uh, it's like a whole hour <laughs> um but i yeah you're yeah. totally right i feel like why why make it a battle you know like you already had a battle in the sixth mo- book like what it's almost kind of cliche it's like everything has to end in a battle like why not why couldn't yeah. that happen in a different way everything I, else throughout the entire series yeah. happened in a different way yeah you know? i mean i will say i like that i like the duel i in the book i like the duel between harry and voldemort in the book better than in the movies um because like in the book the duel is happening at dawn you know, it's like everyone is like, okay, this is it. Like, this is the last thing. Like, like no matter what else happens, like, if Harry yeah. dies, we're all going to die. If Voldemort dies, we've won. Um, and then Voldemort killed because of his own rebounding curse. Like, that's just like, I, I wrote poetic cinema. Um, like, it's like, <laughs> that just feels like a better ending. And then him just being a shell on the floor, like, just like a, like a body, like a dead body on the floor. Like... Mm. Just the idea that like he doesn't fade away. Like we've talked about this before. You like the movie ending with him like fading away into dust, right? Because it's like he never existed. But like I like the fact that like 
evil has been defeated and he was like just another man you know where it's like no that is cool that is really interesting i think to me it just kind of bothers me the idea that because they have his body afterwards they do have his body afterwards yep they do it's a little weird uh, the idea of that i kind of liked the idea of the the fading away thing because he'd become so unhuman yeah but i kind of liked that um but yeah i think what a really cool ending would have been would have been like maybe like again this is like this didn't happen but like maybe like a race to the last horcrux and then maybe like the last horcrux is in i guess harry's the last horcrux but maybe like the other last horcrux is in like uh godric hollow and then like voldemort and harry have like a final duel where it's just like harry and um hermione and ron and then maybe like kind of like you said like tolkien maybe there's some battle going on at hogwarts that we hear about yeah but the focus is on harry and this smaller thing because the whole book had been this smaller thing of his quest so i think that would yeah oh i have a note on that so i said i said it's like the seventh book just reminded me a lot of lord of the rings where it's like with a similar idea of giving Frodo the ring to destroy instead of giving it to like Aragorn and company to destroy because like sometimes evil can only be defeated by humility and littleness and not the obvious yes. choices. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think that would have been great. But um, yeah. But that kind of happens in the forest, right? Like that's yeah, kind of like yep. the forest is this humbling act where he goes to die. Yep. It's kind of like that. And again, like like we see in similar in the fourth book in that graveyard scene, James is the one who's giving Harry directions. Like James yeah. takes a very fatherly role and is like giving Harry instructions, whereas Lily yeah. is the one who is there like assuring him of her love, you know, of, of their love. You know, it's just very yeah. like I have a lot of feelings. It's, it's just it's it's very beautiful but um honestly like i just i had a lot of feelings about the power of love and friendship defeating evil you know where it's like all of their friends like literally working together to like defeat yeah. evil um but i yeah i mean i'm fine with the ending and i really love the epilogue i know a lot of people i remember people being really pissed about the epilogue um <laughs> but like just the fact that harry has a happy adult life after all the trauma in his childhood is like really encouraging and beautiful and I'm just really really happy about it like I don't care if it's like sugary or whatever I'm just happy that like Harry and Ginny and Ron and Hermione got to be happy and have babies and just have normal adult lives after like the hell that was their childhood you know so yeah yeah totally I think I think that is a good ending for sure and I think it's kind of like well earned and i think the only thing that i would say would be should be cooler is would have been cooler is and this wasn't really an epilogue but i totally agree with sort of like the fan thing of it would have been nice if harry had become a teacher instead of a yeah i saw instead that. of a, an auror yeah because and i totally agree with this like he can't go any higher than killing voldemort i mean yeah. you get the <laughs> feeling there's never gonna be someone as bad as voldemort again and it's like he should have just been a teacher like dumbledore or like the other his like or like lupin and then maybe he could have like be brought in to consult when there was some bad guy running yeah. around. But I think the idea of him having to spend the rest of his life hunting dark wizards just seems a little silly. Eh, yeah. Um, I what you just said reminded me of one time I was um, I was when I was at school I got a hundred percent on a quiz in microbiology and I went and told my like my lab instructor and I was like. Mr. Richardson, like, I got 100%. And he was like, I'm so disappointed in you. And I was like, 
I was like, excuse me? And he was like, yeah, because now every time you don't get 100%, you're going to be disappointed in yourself. And, I like, <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's what true. I feel like Harry is going to be like now. Like he'll take down like all of the bat, like what Greyback, whoever the, the werewolf is. Fender, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But just be like, okay, great. Well, I took him down, but he wasn't Voldemort, you know, <laughs> like. Yeah. Like what more do you need to prove, dude? Like, come on. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, I that's think my in my world, he's an Auror for a couple of years and then he goes back and teaches defense against yes. the dark arts. Yes. That's much better. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I think Harry Potter is just going to be a story that it, like exists for like a long time and I think yeah it's all flawed but I think all stories are flawed in some way um it's just because you know it has a flawed human author who's writing them um yeah true but yeah I mean I I yeah thank you everybody for listening to all of our feelings about Harry Potter because there's a lot of them (laughs) yeah anything anything else you wanted to cover no I don't have anything else that's it for me yeah I just think one of Harry's best qualities is like his compassion and his ability to go through trials and still have a courageous heart and still be willing to grow and persevere. And I just think that's something that like we all need to learn from. And uh, I'm glad we have Harry Potter as a character to teach us that. True. True. Uh, I love it. All right. Thanks. Thanks everybody for joining Loomis and I for another episode of keeping up with Joe. Hopefully we'll have a couple something else harry potter related coming up because it is harry potter season it is harry potter season <laughs> we have some ideas so we're not, i'm not gonna i don't we think do. we've committed to anything yet but we have a couple <laughs> interesting ideas so yeah okay right, bye everybody so much, yep bye joe bye.